Matt Dog. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. We're waiting. <laughs> Matt, we're all waiting. <laughs> okay. I'm here now. Peter. <laughs> How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh It's a local high week this week. Oh good. Oh good. Yeah. We didn't we didn't sync up on that, but I'm Oh, happy you're in a local you. low. Uh, n- I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Which is inevitable when you have such a great, you know, last week. So. Yeah. Yeah, I- what's what takes you up or down? Uh <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's good. I'm just okay. Monday was a holiday, so I right. uh, didn't, didn't. Yeah, so today I'm just sort of uh, anxious to get going because it's a shorter week and I've got things I need to get done. And uh, on top of that, I've got a couple of things uh, to do that are non-work wise that have deadlines. So that's always an extra element of stress when there's like government or school, kids school related stuff that needs your attention. You're like, okay. That's not going to wait. Uh, yeah. And I'm not I'm not the boss of that, so better keep right. going. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, how are you? Why why the high? A uh, combination of a lot of little things. But um, I think last time we spoke, I hadn't really gotten started with the year yet. As I said, mm. it was kind of my New Year's. So um, just like a bunch of little things kind of culminated or all happened at the same time that kind of felt like a bit of momentum mm-hmm. and it got me excited that we can get out of this plateau i mean it already feels like we're we're slowly like figuring a, a way out and uh, on the personal front we um we gave the keys or we handed in the keys for the old apartment yesterday mm. and it's just a big mental whatever thing that's just out of of my brain now like i'm i'm done oh that's so nice and i can focus on the future more because awesome. this was a, a thing of the past mm-hmm. yeah and um on thursday i begin at the new co-working space in the new town which i'm really excited about see what what kinds of people are there and hopefully make some new friends and yeah, just get to be in a more professional setting than just that's great. Working yeah. on the couch, you know, or a coffee shop. Good stuff. Yeah, because we and decided ha- that we're all going to get Omicron anyway, so might as well just you know embrace <laughs> it. Uh, we are close to that acceptance, but still hoping and fighting it. It's sort of like okay, we're we're on round. 10 or 11 of this boxing match can we make yeah. it to the end <laughs> yep <laughs> and i don't know what the end is though hopefully it's like it ends with a whimper that's what i'm hoping for <laughs> so yeah i don't know i got my booster i, I yeah moved. same here i got all my stuff sorted out like i can do i can do a week in bed you know you can take it on all right whatever <laughs> yep yep fair enough uh well, cool, yeah. man. And I thought I oh. had it this weekend. I had a cold, and um, oh, yeah. we were having a lot of those. my my in laws over, and actually, their the entire my wife's family. And I didn't want to throw a wrench into that. I took a few quick, like the antigen tests, and they were all negative. So I, I didn't think I had Omicron after that, but I did. Mm-hmm. I did um, drive over to my parents' house, and and I isolated myself in their guest room. So, you know, like I put a mask on and walked into the guest room <laughs> and just hung out there the whole day and actually got a lot of work done. So that and that was on Sunday. So it kind of felt like cheating a little bit, getting <laughs> like half a yeah. work day before the actual week yeah. started. So, right. Made the best out of that. I've, it feels like. Cool. And you had a pretty good work week last week, I believe. Yeah. So um, I don't know how much I don't think I really talked about this last time, but before before the break i i wasn't working as much as i would normally do because i was so busy with the move and the house renovation and everything and so from a reform point of view i was a little bit mia i guess and and i knew that it was weighing on bjorn a little bit because he was he he was just there like every day on his on his own kind of thing mm-hmm. and so 
it took a long time for him to get like me to look at pull requests and give him feedback and talk about different issues and and all mm -hmm. that stuff and and so it was weighing on me as well because it's frustrating like when you're not you know doing as much as you feel like you should so right. i was a little nervous about like how much it had actually impacted him and mm -hmm. i knew he was he was saying that he was looking forward to the break which could be that you like it can mean a few different things <laughs> you know when people say that i need a break <laughs> yes um, yes and and he did take a break and i um I actually, I tried not to talk to him almost at all, like except like Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, stuff like that. And just like mm -hmm. really give him a chance to not think about reform very much. And mm -hmm. and I really think all he needed was a break. So when, when we talked la the week before last week, before we really started the work, we, we, we kind of synced up and um, we had a really good conversation about the next six months of of reform and now we felt about things and and we kind of made a small list of things we wanted to improve in kind of our work um the way we work on a day-to-day -day basis nice and you could just tell for both of us like it was a it was nice to reconnect in a sense it's not i mean it's not like we didn't talk at all because we we talked almost daily even before the break but not just not as much as we normally do but you could tell that we both, it was good for us to reconnect and a weight off our shoulders to kind of, you know, take the time to <laughs> figure out how each other are feeling about things and and how we're feeling about each other's work. And, you know, kind of like, you're always thinking like, am I doing enough? Is my work good enough? And, and it's good mm. to kind of like, just, you know, make sure that everything is, is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And there were some few like concrete things that we we figured out that we wanted to change. And you could just tell it's just been a huge boost for both of us. Like it was good to kind of like start from a from a blank slate this year and and we mm -hmm. both felt really motivated after it. Just to give an example, like one really small thing that's super silly. From my previous jobs, I'm used to people merging their own own pull requests, but you get you get a basically you have to get it approved by someone else so more than one people have seen every pull request mm. and we've just done the same thing so if i want to merge something i show it to bjorn and the other way around if it's super minor we'll just deploy it but normally we try to uh, get the other people or person to look at it first and that's fine when you're both working every day but mm -hmm. when someone is gone for several days it's not very satisfying to have a pull request. You know, you put a lot of work into it and then it just sits there for a week. Yeah. Instead of getting deployed where it's supposed to go. And, yeah. and I hadn't thought much about this. Like, but obviously there's a very simple solution to it, which is you just merge your pull request if you want to merge your pull request. And, yeah. and you are responsible and a hat tip to Adam Wathen because I heard him talk about how they do things at Tailwind. And, if you want someone to review your pull request, feel free to ask for it. But mm. it's your like you it's your call. It's on you. Is yeah. this something you would feel better about merging after someone has looked at it? Or is it fine for you to just merge it now? And you know, the day after we had this conversation, Bjorn merged like five pull requests in two days or something like that. So much value that was just blocked at the end. Of it's the... like in the spring when you take the cows out in the field <laughs> after being locked up all winter. They're just jumping around. <laughs> yeah, you un unleashing the. Uh, well, I mean, if people I, thought I we were out like of the... metaphors, we're not there yet. We are not. No, so I mean, I wasn't expecting metaphors. the cow, the cows in the spring one. I was thinking of like a factory where there's just a bunch of boxes that are like waiting to be. They have labels on them. They just literally need to be just put outside for somebody to pick them up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, you're a fact, you've sold all these? Yeah, they're all sold. Okay. So why are they sitting here still? Well, somebody needs to put them on the street so they get picked yeah. up and taken. It's like, okay. Dude, I bought like $500 worth of paint for the new place. And it's just been sitting in, for two weeks at this, you know, whatever logistics center. That's uh -huh. like a 10 minute drive away. And I could yeah. literally just go there in 10 minutes and pick it up. 
<laughs> and I, so I had to go buy pain somewhere else, and like not online. <laughs> so I don't need this pain anymore. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, but yeah. you got it all out. Uh, and that's great. Yeah. I'm sure that's got to be a morale boost. Right. Uh, I know he's resilient. Yeah, and this was just one thing. Like we we <laughs> talked about several different things and we kind of, you know, we've been doing the two-week cycles. We we decided to move to six-week cycles instead with a two-week okay. um, cool-down, like the, the, the real shape-up, and which in the next six months, which is kind of what we talked about, gives us three uh, cycles, which is not mm -hmm. that much. <laughs> but right. um, kind of like the conclusion we made was it doesn't give us extra time to do two-week cycles. <laughs> so we might as well be try to be realistic about it um mm. it's not like we're going to get much more done just because we have shorter cycles necessarily right um and the problem with the the short week cycles is kind of like the how do you fill a jar with stones like you start if you start with sand and then pebbles and then rocks you you'll it's not efficient you got to start yeah. with the big big rocks and then pebbles mm -hmm. and then sand it's the most efficient way to do it yep and it's kind of like that if you only have very short cycles it's hard to get the big stuff done in order to like make space for all the smaller things and true make the big leaps and i think that's yep. what we kind of felt like we were running into mm -hmm. we need just a little more time to you know you know untie some some difficult knots and stuff like that yeah you don't want to not ship a big fit whatever your cycle length is you want it to be large enough that you can ship a feature that's meaningful during that yeah. time frame. Yeah. And the thing is like when you ship a big meaningful thing, you you always like just throw in like a bunch of little things. So Yeah, yeah. You, you just kind of get it for free with the big Those things. Those are dessert. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. The dessert is free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, that felt really good. Um uh, we shipped some cool things. One thing Bjorn ship was duplicating forms, which is we knew it wasn't a big feature. We just hadn't gotten to it yet. And it's highly requested. And it's like people are asking for an easier way to build more forms. Hmm. It's like we should give them that. <laughs> so it yeah. felt good to give people that. Yeah. And um, then the most exciting thing from my point of view was that some of the marketing stuff that I've been doing the past few months, like kind of started to shed some results. And uh, a few things just happened at the same time. Uh, as I mentioned last time, we got nominated for the Golden Kitty Awards with Product Hunt, and um, that has driven some nice traffic. Not not a not a ton, but like some good traffic. Like um, people are definitely mentioning Product Hunt more than normally in the mm -hmm. "Why did you sign up?" field. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, um, we launched our Sapier integration. We finished our Sapier integration in November, I think, or beginning of December, but we hadn't launched it yet. And mm. because Sapier thought it was better to wait uh, until the new year because there's so much stuff happening around Christmas and stuff, sure. I, yeah. I thought it was a good idea as well. So um, we're almost ready to launch that, I think. Uh, we're going back and forth with them a bit. But um, they included us in their January newsletter. That's awesome. Uh, as uh, they had like a this little box with uh, what's trending, and they had three different apps there. Yeah, and we were there, and it was way down in the bottom of the email, and it was just like the reform logo, and then the description, of the, which is like two sentences, mm -hmm. and it you could definitely tell it in the analytics. It wasn't you know thousands of people, but it was in the hundreds of people, like very quickly coming to awesome. the site. Yeah, and. Um, Quite a lot of signups, just uh, you know, in the in the hours after the email, it was at least twenty signups. So and it's more now. Yesterday, we even someone with like hundred and thirty thousand Twitter followers signed up after reading the awesome. the, the Zapier newsletter. So it's like it was, um, it was a good handful of signups, mm -hmm. and it was like high value signups as well, and yeah. people were converting. Uh, to customers, mm. some of them as well. So it was just yeah. nice to see that we we'd done some work, and we saw a, a, like a, a little result 
of uh, of a bigger thing that's going to come hopefully when we launch but we saw like we got a taste of it and we got exposed to uh, an audience of complete strangers and it worked yeah because the plateau we we've hit is like my, the the plateau of people uh, of peter's sphere right of yeah, my twitter right. sphere and the yep. podcast and so it's nice to see that we can get exposed to a completely new audience and within hours get signups that then convert to trials and just see that the engine is working yeah it is i'm not saying we have product market fit <laughs> but it's 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 required like that sort of stuff is required to get product market fit like it needs yeah. to work on its own kind of thing agreed yeah that's congrats on the uh publicity and getting it out there i do think there's some kind of <clears throat> critical mass that you that you need to hit just in the sheer volume of people who've heard of you and have seen it and yeah. are aware of it just to start telling people and you know give you that um buzz if you will yeah that's constant as opposed to it dies out it dies out like once you get over yeah. a certain threshold just kind of starts self-perpetuating which i yeah. think you're getting closer yeah and a lot of these sign are signups are window shoppers it's like it's they walked past your shop and they saw something they liked, but they didn't quite need it right now, or they didn't have the money right now, or they didn't have the the courage or the <laughs> the motivation or what like whatever it is that makes you like, you know, walk by a shop like 20 times before you're like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna go in there now. I'm gonna go in and mm -hmm. check it out. And um, so in my experience, and I know this from Product Hunt, which was also like a new audience of people I didn't know, we got a lot of sign-ups very quickly but the customers came dripping in uh, afterwards. Mm -hmm. So we already got um, some trials from these two, like the product hunter stuff and the Zapier stuff, but I know it's yep. going to keep coming in in the next month or so. Yeah, And and we have some more uh, in the pipeline with Zapier that I hope to get out this month as well, which will be another nice little boost. So what... Uh... As you're saying this, a marketing focus, top of funnel focus makes sense. I think the Zapier piece is interesting because it's a lot closer to, feels closer to a channel or like something that's more separate from yourself, different company, bringing in total strangers, right? And opening that up to you. So um, yeah, I like, yeah. I like how that feels. For your the most exciting thing with Sapir right now is that they have a product that they announced in November, I think, which is called Transfer, and it's still in beta. And there's only a few dozen apps that support it, I think, as far as I understand. And okay. um, it allows you to move historical data between applications. Oh, and it's pretty huh. brilliant. Like it's uh, it's super well executed. Actually, it was. Um, the way we've set up our API and our Zapier integration made it really easy to to build out the support for transfer. Hmm. And it a form builder is the perfect use case. It's what they use as an example in their documentation as well. Huh. Because obviously it's like you put up a form because you just needed to collect some information. And right. then you're like, okay, now I need this information. It actually to go, needs to live elsewhere. Like I need these signups to be in my on an email list mm -hmm. and then i would be like okay you just need to like you know connect it to convertkit or whatever and like yeah but what about the 150 people that are already put their email in there right and then i would be like okay then you have to export a csv and you would have to go in and, and import it or whatever mm -hmm. but it's not uh, it's not as smooth as just clicking a button in sap here and and you get to select the data you want to move and nice if you want to do something with it and so obviously this is a new thing for Sapir. It's something I, I, I'm pretty sure they're excited about. It's something that's directly a revenue driver for them because when you are starting a transfer, it comes up with a little screen like, okay, this will move you know, 1,000 records from uh, ConvertKit to MailChimp, cost 1,000 tasks. Your current plan only supports 750 tasks per month. Right, right, up, right, right. Yeah, that's the brilliance. It's this... It's the mountain of historical, it's the archives that they can now monetize. Right. Mm, 
That's so, great. But also, it solves a real problem for me, and it actually makes using SAP here better than using our native integrations probably mm. until we would have some sort of transfer feature for each integration. And then we would mm. have to build transfer manually for Notion and for ConvertKit. And then instead, we can be like, if you use SAP here, they got it all, you know, yeah. ready for you. Nice. And from a Love data it. mobility kind of point of view, ownership, I yeah. think it's good as well. Yeah, I mean, if you think about reform from a data lineage standpoint, you're you're at the very, very, very beginning, right? We're in it. So entry point. You're the entry point, right? You're the initial collection. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think the more you think about or frame it that way strategically, you could probably even think of other product ideas around reform. Like the fact that that's kind of what you do is do that initial collection. Yeah. Zapier is helping people get it elsewhere, but um, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's interesting. Um, no wonder uh, forms are so ubiquitous. <laughs> Everyone's always collecting. I was yeah. always collecting data from someone else. So I'm just humans. listening to uh, Sahil's book, The Minimalist Entrepreneur. Mm. And he, he explains web apps, most web apps as like, uh, well, crud apps, but he's like, they contain, they, they contain, uh, forms <laughs> and lists. That's yep. most web apps. <laughs> and that's it. And then there are apps like Twitter. They don't even let you edit. <laughs> so, it's just create, that's... read, write. <laughs> create, read, read, write. Yeah. Delete. <laughs> no yeah. update. <laughs> yeah. Just, just crud. Yep. Yeah. So I would like mm. uh, a reform to be some sort of case study for this. That's my uh, my dream outcome. But even if even if nothing comes out of it, it's for transform. a nice thing yeah. for us to support. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Summit is not a CRUD app in that sense, which I find no. somewhat interesting. <laughs> yeah. Still. Reform is uh, it's a CRUD app that built, it's almost like a CRUD app that builds other CRUD apps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you... It's two <clears throat> layers of CRUD. Yeah. Well, it's it's like the it again. You're like the front lines where things can't be put into lists until you do your job. So I actually think, you know, what a form does is it brings order to that messy, chaotic, unstructured data of human speech and yeah. expression and verbalization, communication. Right. So you're you're the first one to add structure to the data, and that's got its own value that that has data to be done collection. before anybody can make any lists right and it's it's that yeah you're creating something out of chaos so before you it's just this mess and you're the first one to say okay your number goes in this field your name goes in this field we're going to tag these things whatever um validation all that stuff but yeah it's a it must be done <laughs> yeah and <clears throat> forms are the way cool yeah so i think that's uh that's why I'm uh, writing a local high. Like, it feels like there's lots of stuff for us to do. It's obvious some of the stuff we need to do. And it's it's motivating to see that some of the stuff that we do directly leads to results. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have stuff for us to do on the marketing side and customers telling us what they need on the product side. I think that's a really good place for us to be. And I was talking to one of my investors yesterday until my phone died <laughs> and, and I basically just hung up on him while I was walking in the forest. <laughs> but I, w I was talking to him until then. And um, <laughs> we talk he talked about our kind of like growth strategy. And, and one thing he said is because it's such a tested market and, and space, like it's not, there's nothing innovative about reform. Mm. Um, only like micro innovations, I guess. And, <laughs> and that's why it makes even though we are funded, obviously, when I'm talking to one of my investors, but it's it's the kind of business that it makes a lot of sense to try to bootstrap it and, and try to get to profitability fairly quickly mm. because it's so much about distribution and differentiate differentiation and finding your kind of like your spot in the market. I don't think like there's nothing until we figure out 
distrib like some sort of distribution there's not a huge reason to raise a lot of money to throw after something we don't know what is yet like we could mm -hmm. raise money obviously to extend the time we have to figure just anything out mm -hmm. but there's nothing like right now we could raise money for and just pour money into and we knew wouldn't know for sure that it would work right until we have that it's probably more wise to just see if we can make it work in a more bootstrapped fashion that's how i i kind of think about it at least yeah so it feels good to be in a place where customers are telling us what to build and we have obvious marketing things to test and and spend more time on yeah yeah i think for some of these things like whether it's convert kit or reform or mailchimp um with active uh, active camp it was the just to mention constant contact products you know constant contact yeah exactly just throw all in the same <laughs> bucket um constant contact uh i think that was the name of it like you may it might just be a really long road it doesn't mean it's right. not going to be rewarding maybe it's i mean at some point it's making you enough money that you're personally very happy with it but it might not be a storm the market type of product in which case it's really important to be sustainable to survive as long as it takes to just keep growing right because it's such yeah. a huge market but the idea that you storm it and, and and seize the market and suddenly take you know a giant bite out of it it's hard to think of how to do that but it is but it is easy yeah. to think about just slowly replacing all the forms that are out there with with reform over time yeah I mean, if I can say something that's sound, it's gonna sound like kind of douchebaggy. No, go for it. <laughs> and I'm gonna admit, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna use the word type form, but it, insert any big other because there are a lot of other form mm -hmm. competitors in the form mm -hmm. space. But yeah. I think our job is to just keep like improving the product and you know, kind of bootstrap and 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 kind of be ready <laughs> for when mm. they implode because mm. that's kind of what happens in these types of market is like the. That's a good point. Those are those are your jump. Those are your jump yeah. moments. Your you know your your chart when your they really screw forward. up or when they just implode. Or... That's fair, <laughs> right? Right. So it's kind of a it's a grind until then, but it's like the reward of surviving that far. It's like a it's like a grind, but then you get ranked. You you get lucky in Google. You rank number one for something, or you get listed in some important blog post, or <laughs> like one of your. You know the biggest competitors completely screw up their pricing or mess up all their with all their customers or whatever and then you're yeah. there to kind of like take advantage of that situation mm -hmm. whereas when you're building something like summit it's like almost only the product matters right now because you're trying to you have all your unknowns are at the product state right or product level mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. most of our unknowns are in the distribution level i think yeah i think i agree with you that's good. you're inventing something new we're not inventing something new we're just trying mm. to do it better than all the other people right 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 yeah oh i love that topic we could go on for a long time <laughs> <laughs> about the inventing something new versus not um that's a good topic we talk, we were going to be more topical perhaps this year so that would be a good one to talk about. i've been thinking a lot about design like what the heck is design uh, I listened to a podcast recently. Actually, let me go ahead and ask: Are we segueing yeah. to me? Yeah, and All right, whatever it, it sounds, whatever it sounds comes to my brain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was listening to an interview where um, it was uh, better done than perfect. Uh, podcast hosted by um, with by Jane. Jane Portman. Yep, yeah. and she was interviewing. Uh, I'm so sorry, I'm not remembering his name. He's talking about. Uh, SaaS positioning, which I thought was a great yeah. Topic. I listened to that one. Yeah, and maybe while I'm talking, I'll be able to bring up um, his. Name I listened to that podcast, bad. and I remember the specific part of the wall in the apartment where I was tearing off all the wallpaper while I was listening uh, to that. Yeah, <laughs> it's what's so funny. I actually have a similar moment. Um, I was. Uh, I'll never forget one of the first moments I was listening to Art of Products. I was raking leaves in the backyard and just thinking about how much I love this podcast. And I'll never forget like, <laughs> that certain moment I was there in the moment. It was such a great, because I had a whole back catalog to listen to. I had just discovered it yeah. in like 20, 
whatever it was, 2019, 2018, something like that. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, it's so awesome that I have like 20 hours of this podcast like to listen yeah. to while I do all these yeah. mundane things. <laughs> um, yeah. So shout out to our friends. Um, it was with Mark Thomas. Mark Thomas is his name. Um, and I have to say, man, it really, I, I loved it. I like the parts. I, I like the topic so much. I really struggled with with his um, strong stance on the need to niche down and focus on a specific niche within a market. Uh, you shouldn't pursue multiple markets, especially at early stage. He says, focus on one thing. And you know, being a generalist is a luxury that larger companies tend to have. Uh, I. I don't know. I, I really don't know because then I look at products like Airtable and I think about Summit and I think about Reform and the idea that, you know, you would somehow go to market with like the form builder for people that do social marketing or something like, like, why would you do that? Because like you said, you have soccer clubs that are signing up for Reform and using it and paying and is there and anything about political parties that, in the U.S. that I'm not going to mention? Yeah, because the <laughs> there, there's a lot of them. It could, could, yeah, there's a lot of political parties. There's a lot of political there. parties. Yes, at least two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's there's you know a bunch of them that you wouldn't want to name, and there's some that you would. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, but I I think it just I don't. So this took me down this this mental rab uh, this mental rabbit trail of like you know, niching down, I think I, I always like to, I like the biological um, definition of niche. It's like where a certain organism thrives and it's right. learned to survive and grow and find. But you know, the, the, the trade-off in that is that there's a lot of organisms that then are very, uh, very incapable of expanding beyond that niche. You know, they only mm -hmm. live and thrive in that niche. It has to be exactly, you know, 79 degrees in the water the salinity has to be this it needs this much sunlight the tide has to go at this before you know it you just end up with this organism that's just extremely well adapted to this one right little niche and if you you know that that's not the kind of thing that can attach to a boat and then go invade you know the gulf of mexico right it's just this it's this happy it's little thing it's also oversimplifying things because i think first of all i think it has a lot of, to do with the product so if you're an mm -hmm. intake tool it makes a lot of sense to be an intake tool for lawyers versus web developers because mm. it's so different what they need from their clients and the sort of stuff they need and the sales process and everything is just different between you know getting web agencies versus law firms as your customers but when you're building a form builder it's like the nature of it is very general purpose so mm -hmm. then i think it becomes more of a probably just a question about distribution because let's say Ruben Gomez, he's building, you know, um, Signwell now is what it's called. Great name. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you're Ruben and you can rank well in Google for almost anything, does it make sense to pick a niche or like you just want to make sure that you can rank well for the thing that people are searching for to find your thing. So if right. you can rank pretty decent well for, you know, uh, document, signing or whatever e-signature then do that but if you're if you're less good at seo but you mm. think you have a chance at 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 being the e-signature for lawyers or the e-signature for lawyers in as a different location or something like then then you've got to rank for that then you got to niche down because your seos your skill marketing skills aren't you know you don't have that's the good, skills yeah. needed to get. that's good advice right so so and I think there's like a self. It's more about distribution than about the product. It to that when it comes to that, I think because the e-signature mm -hmm. is probably this works in the same way, no matter yeah. who it's for. Hi, Ruben. Your website says make it so easy to sign your documents that it cuts turnaround time in half. Signwell is an electronic signature tool for legally binding e-signatures and faster document signing. There's no mention at all of a specific role or job or department that's supposed to use this. Tool. But if, if this was the first company you ever built, the first product you ever built, and you didn't have any experience in marketing, you would have a very difficult time making this work. You th yeah. 
Interesting. I I I don't want to. So? I don't. I don't want to reject that thought. Like I may, maybe you're probably right. I think the part of it that irks me is that I think it's a self fulfilling prophecy at some point. Like a founder who doesn't have funding or is like, I just want to get to revenue or something like that takes that advice and then has this. Right. They build this document signing product that can work for anyone. And, and they're they creating an start, artificial barrier. They create an artificial barrier to funding or fundraising. They also start creating features that appeal to, oh, I, I need, I need, you know, health care documents signed as a dentist or something like that. And so then before you know it, their market is really small. They have features that appeal to a small part of the market. And then like they don't have the resources to expand beyond and then that. It needs to now be it's like HIPAA and blah blah blah. Code. And yeah, and then it's hard to have all these. Feature requests right. before they can get any customers. Whereas that, yes. with Reform, we could just be the tools for all the all the easy use cases in all the niches. Well, <laughs> think about margins. Think about margins too. So margins matter a lot, and this feeds into that. So now you have a dental office that's using your signature thing because it's supposedly for them. But you have to charge more money now because there's not that many customers that are ever going to possibly use this. Like. Right, it's, it's, you know the market's smaller, so you have to charge more money to reach you know your ambitions. Well, now you're charging more money because it's a niche solution, and you think that's good. So now you're charging 199 a month instead of 19 dollars a month because the market is a thousand times smaller. So you're going to charge ten times more and hopefully make up for part of it. But now the dental office is like, well, if we're paying these guys 200 dollars a month, they should be able to respond to this request for this feature or. Hey, I've got a bunch of old documents. Can I get them scanned into your tool? Oh yeah, let me build a historical document scanner feature. And like you've now optimized for yeah. a low margin niche that really just wants to use use you uh, and abuse you as almost like a a software a, a software boutique. You know, now you're a little software boutique for this niche that you know, and you're charging them too much money to say no. But you're also um, your market's not big enough, and you're not charging too little, a small enough amount to be like, no, I don't, I don't do that. We don't, we don't serve you specifically. Yeah, yeah I love like, that idea no that you're power. kind of like optimizing for something that might not be ideal. And when you, you start with a broad into market, a... like you get to see, you get a lot of data about if it even makes sense to go after one of the niches. Right. And then they say double down. And it's like, well, you get to a point where you're like, well, does doubling down mean that we can just do a landing page that focuses on why dentists should choose our document tool? Because if that's the yeah. case, we can create that for a hundred different roles. And it, from their perspective, we're the right tool for them. But like the, the product and the pricing is not going to be specific to a market. And I'm not saying that that's what Mark was suggesting, but I think a lot of advice, SaaS goes in waves. I think vertical SaaS was a big deal, like 2015, 16. People were really beating the drum of like, be a vertical SaaS, focus on a market. That's the way to, those riches and the niches. But now I think see things like Airtable, Notion, uh, Reform, Savvy Cal, hopefully Summit, <laughs> um, yeah. Signwell. Pick your tool, uh, Figma. These are all, very general tools yeah. and they're not all super savvy cal's not super funded but derek isn't saying this is the scheduling tool for x right um when i'm thinking about this now like i'm kind of i don't know why i'm thinking about seth godin but he always talks about you have to be the best in the world hmm. um and i think that's why people think they need to niche down which might be true in some cases it's also like Peter Thiel says that you 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 shouldn't have any competition. Like you should mm. should be in monopoly. I think he says right. Yeah. But it's like yeah, you gotta be the number one in the world. But like Reform could be the number one form builder in the bootstrapping space, not because it's specifically for bootstrappers, but just because they know about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it could be like I mean Summit is by definition the number one in the world at doing what. <laughs> What, what Summit is doing because there's no one else doing it. And Signwell can be the number one e-signature tool by ranking number one in Google, which kind of like by some definition makes them the best in the world. Yeah. It is more about like you just got to like make sure that you have some sort of way that you're able to stand out 
And those and and being able to say you're number one in a market is so cross the chasm later anyway. Like market leadership is a way of attracting those majority adopters who are like, I want to buy the market standard because I don't want to get a yeah. tool. They they lose. I have to convert over to a different tool. Unless you think about it as a, like a product thing, but I don't think that's what Seth Godin means. Like I don't think he. I think it's more of a positioning thing. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't think Figma can yet say that they're the number one design tool yet you know i think they're a long way from that but yeah no, but when you combine it with like working together so and, right yeah but also like just the the fact that it it's in the browser makes it better not as a design tool but well as a design tool but not because of the features they have but because we can collaborate easily right but they didn't need to install and it doesn't seem no they didn't niche. down no and and i remember listening to why would they why, why would you, right? Exactly. And I yeah. think maybe this goes back to what we said earlier. If you're building a CRUD app where there isn't a lot that's different or it's not like you're here to collect data and show lists of data, yeah, <laughs> it's almost hard to charge money for a tool that does that that's generic. Like imagine a generic CRUD app. Like there's almost yeah. no such thing because you're like, well, what kind of data? Like and yeah. as soon as you answer that question, you know, it's but, like got to be a niche because what are you doing that's special if not, you know, treating certain kinds of data in a special way, right? That's how yeah. you actually make money. That's the value. You Another bring. way to think about it is like, if you get a customer, who will they, who will they tell about your product? Mm -hmm. Like if I get a dentist customer, will they, will they tell their doctor friend or lawyer friend about reform if they mm -hmm. need a form? Or will they only recommend it to other dentists? Because, right. but <laughs> but so why if it's if it really is general purpose and they think it's a great form tool, if they know other people who need forms, why shouldn't they? Like, yeah, is it, yeah, like, does it make sense for them to recommend it to other people? It's <laughs> almost this type form, like everyone's yeah. recommended to everyone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really. You wouldn't only recommend it to your startup friends, for example. Yeah, it's almost like there's this. Well, if you don't package it for the dentist, then he or she won't feel like it's for them. And and so therefore they won't recommend it to people. But I just don't see that carrying through for so many for so many products. So I I I don't know. That's something I've been thinking a lot about. Oh, so back to this. It's like can you take a leap that's larger and go after a larger market? and still win I, I i just think that yes if you make enough decisions i think i think either path is viable that was the one area where i really disagreed like yes if you're going to charge a bunch of money you're probably going to end up in a niche or you know if your product isn't really feature complete or isn't flexible you're probably going to end up in a niche because it won't work for other kinds of people right but you're building a very flexible tool i am as well and I think very flexible tools can be general, you know, general public. And um, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. Um, certainly wrestled with that a bunch with Summit. And I'm glad that we have sort of veered away from niching down and plan to keep doing that. Because <laughs> um, I think that's that's part of the excitement, frankly, is finding out, you know. Because otherwise, Peter is going to run out of work too soon <laughs> well yeah so that that's a good segue so needs peter to be, needs to be lots of features to that <laughs> yeah well actually so here's the funny part i think what we're doing now is because we um because we're not niching down we have fewer features to build but larger like sort of bigger stones like larger features to build because they need to be flexible they need to be more general purpose and so I think we're on a good foundation. What he's working on uh, this week, started last week, is the ability for users to... Uh, so let's say that a user came to us and says, hey, I built a SaaS model. This actually connects right to what we were just saying. I have a SaaS model, right? I want to see what my CAC to LTV ratio is, right? If we were a SaaS-specific tool, I might take the approach of building a feature or like hard coding a metric into Summit that like calculates your CAC to LTV ratio as a part of your model output. 
And that's okay because like every one of our, we're focused on SaaS. After all, that's like our customer base. Instead, we're building a feature where um, our users can write queries against the model output, which could calculate CACT LTV, could calculate profit margin, could calculate COGS, um, calculate EBITDA, like whatever metric you want, you can basically calculate. And then like we can release metric templates, if you will, like queries that are pre-written that say like, if you want to calculate this well-known metric, here's the expression to calculate that. But it, it forces us to create a more of an input field, a, a free form field for them to write these queries. So we have to go the extra mile of like abstraction to allow that. Right. But I love it because we'll never, you know, e-commerce is going to have a completely different set of metrics that they care about than a SaaS company. And like our core modeling tool doesn't care what you are. So why should our, why should the analysis part of our product care? Yeah. I think this is the are? real deal. It's the build once. I love this. Right. It's sort of the build it once and let the users. This is how you niche a general purpose tool. Like, and you get unlimited tries mm. like with templates and content. And, and this right. is actually when I talked to Ruben, he said, just to start, like pick two templates that people are searching for that you think you can rank well for mm -hmm. and just do really great content for those. It doesn't require you to change anything about your product. Mm -hmm. And if you can rank number one for those, you have a channel that's working. Yeah. So if you can go and just one, didn't, yeah, yeah, you didn't if you have go... to pollute your product, right? Yeah, and but it requires going just one level of abstraction farther than you would yeah. otherwise. So your templates are the product you would have built normally. Yeah, and the extreme of this is like offer a service using your software. Like, mm. you know, you could offer startup CFO services using Summit. You know, to bootstrap Summit. Yeah, and what I want to what I want to do now is I want to partner with CFOs to refer people to them because people are using Summit and they want it to be customized and tailored to their business, et cetera. And we we just want to be in the product business. Um, so he's working on that this week. Uh, really exciting because it also means, for example, maybe you have MRR in your model. And that's, you want it in your model because you need to like send that revenue somewhere, but you want to calculate ARR as well. Like you don't need to add another event to calculate ARR. You can just have a new row in your output that just multiplies this row by 12. So we're going to introduce sort of spreadsheet like formulas into the output. So you can do analysis on the output, which is what a lot of spreadsheets are is like, you have a very few rows that are core to the model. And then you've got dozens of rows that are actually just derivative metrics about those rows or each other. So yeah. that's where we're going. And so that's that's a big product uh, kind of final piece of the core product because then, you know, people have str been struggling to uh, figure out these metrics in the existing product because it's not really designed for those. This will make it work for them. And then we can add charting as a next frontier, which means, you know, now that you have these rows and the ones you want, clicking a button to see them on a line graph or a chart, you know, makes sense. Um, and then I think we're going to be able to shift our attention elsewhere. And I'll segue, uh, I'll mention another feature that I released last week, which is called tunnels. So one of the most requested features for the last, say, three months has been the ability to connect another model to the model I'm working on or to connect the model I'm working on to another model that I've already built. Yeah. So let's say you've got a model, which is like your budget by department, but now you're a marketing person and you're building a, a model for your funnel. And part of your model for your funnel is advertising spend. And you want to know what your marketing budget is, but you don't want to pollute your budget model, your P and L, like what you, what you as the C team have agreed to spend on certain departments. You don't want to like have that be just, you don't want one giant model. So now the person who's building the funnel can actually type in equals tunnel and then just type in the name of the model and the event that uh, contains the marketing budget. And it will just behind the scenes will actually fuse the models together and bring in the data from the other model into theirs, 
without yeah. without changing it or this is really cool yeah so i would that, use it for what i what i described last time just to kind of <laughs> tie a little yeah because i would i would create all the different um growth ideas i had i would create very simple models for those mm -hmm. like seo for example mm. and then in the baseline one i would try to hook it up to those different growth experiments and see right. how needle moving they were yeah exactly so, so it would they... take like kind of like the new uh signups coming from those channels and pipe mm -hmm. them into the baseline one right exactly so the baseline would be this its own kind of core animal model, if you will. Yeah, but this is where we are now. <laughs> have tunnels back to a separate model for SEO, a separate model for this, a separate model for that, have all this be separate. And then exactly, then anyone, here's the thing, it's you, but like then anyone on the team can leverage that model that somebody else built and any part of it yeah. and incorporate it into theirs without necessarily, they don't need, re, they don't need permissions to even edit that other model, they can just tunnel to it. So that's really exciting. Because some now SEO expert build... could do an SEO one that we could just use. That's right. And even better, right? So now you're talking about maybe that SEO expert has a model in their account and you can tunnel to that and use so it. So it's like, if we hire this SEO dude, he's saying, this mm. is how it works. <laughs> right. So he could build is a- Is it going to be worth it? Let's try to- run his model into our model <laughs> that's right what how many leads do you think you can generate for us that sort of thing yeah. the other thing is um let's say that you have built up a set of industry benchmark data on compensation right you could have a model that's yours it's hosted in your account that has the average comp for a vp of sales in you know this part of the world in it any yeah. user anywhere on the summit platform you know can subscribe to that model yeah and then incorporate that data into their own hiring plan yeah for example this is so cool because like you had this idea that uh, other you know third parties could add data into summit using events mm -hmm. but this is so much more powerful because instead of having a you know the 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 annual uh salary of some uh you know, in one event, you could have the salary of some, you know, job role and how much they pay, their their pay is going to increase every year, for example. Mm -hmm. You could have that as a, a template event, right, that someone provided. But now you could do, okay, this is how much they get, you know, and then they, they in the next five years, on average, like they'll have um, what... Um, you know, paternity or maternity leave mm. three times. Mm -hmm. uh, they get like a sabbatical after five years. Right, right. They have vacation a few times and yeah. they get sick this often. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so you can definitely build larger components. You can make them more complex. You can also, whoever owns that data set that everyone's tapping into, they can maintain it and keep it live, right? And you every time you run your model, it just it actually re-retrieves the latest value for that. So as the average comp for that role changes, you don't have to go find the new numbers on Google or whatever. You can just continue to just have that pipe or that tunnel into that data set. And they're responsible for keeping that you know up to date. So you can imagine that working for um, compensation data. You could see that working for stock prices, forecast for stock values over time yeah the other thing that i like is if you have a partner that's going to send you leads or you're working on some kind of business deal together if they have a model in summit and they say this is our we have a model in our account that we built that shows how many leads we think we can send you and it's connected to the rest of our model it's in our world that's fine now you can have your own <laughs> and yeah, when you do uh... a rev share agreement or some kind of pipeline related deal referral deal you can just reference the same event in yours yeah. and like you can give other data. people a budget and be like this is your responsibility right i love that yeah and you can that budget might change you can change it on your end but all they do is they receive the sort of downstream effects of those changes yeah. right um so this tunnel thing i mean it's funny i it took me months to think about how to do it <laughs> but then once i finally realized how to do it it took me 
like a day to create. And it was just a lot of thinking through how do we sort of fuse these graphs in the background, have it be something that the user can just type in and also keep the amount of UI work necessary really, really minimal so that, you know, Peter doesn't have to create some kind of, again, special feature just to allow this thing to happen on the back end. So, um, so that was another feature we snuck in last week, which felt monumental. And I think, oh, yeah. I, I think we're going to finish Q1 building these monumental features and then almost spend the, I, my goal is to spend the rest of the year just evangelizing and marketing them. Because I, I think, you know, these, we didn't even talk again about forms and how you can turn events into forms. And that just, that, that was huge. So like all these, like, again, kind of milestone features are all rolling out right about now. And then I think we can kind of take a step back and focus on distribution and saying, okay, who are all the companies that want to contribute data to this platform that m- people can tap into, right? So that when you're building a model, you don't have to Google for this information. Um, you can just plug and play, right? Um, so business development essentially is where I'm going to focus for the rest of the year. Uh, product management and design for the next month or two. Um, and that feels really, really good. I've got some marquee platform uh, contributors lined up for Q2. So hopefully companies that could really contribute a lot of data, you know, talking about thousands or hundreds of thousands of of data points to this platform. And then before you know it, it starts to grow where it just makes sense for more and more people to contribute and link these uh, models together. It's really cool. Yeah, that's the hope. And um, sales has picked up again since the December lull, which felt good. So I was excited to see that. And... Yeah, I guess you know the the low the the lesser lesser than high that I started the conversation with is really just about almost like when things are when things are good, I'm tempted to become even less patient with right with the pace. It's like yeah, I know the feeling. It's like okay, well, you know, when I thought it was December first, I was kind of relaxed, but now that I you know now that I'm a kid, and it feels like December twenty second. I'm like. I'm just so much more uh, inclined to be impatient, right? With uh, okay, well, now we yeah. need the website. Now we need this. Now we need that. You know, let, let's let's go, go, go. And it's yeah, because it's, um, it's like when it for me at least, it's like when it's going well, you don't you don't have any excuse, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, that's part of it. It's like it's going well, uh, and it's it's almost like you see, you know like a football metaphor, sports metaphors. And you see an opening and it's like, it's your, it's your lane, man, to just take the ball and just run it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and or you're, you're like, trying to get a plane up or a rocket or whatever. Yeah. And then it starts to lift and you're like, okay, now actually I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like, um, but I think that's momentum, right? Uh, it breeds. Yeah. It feeds on itself. So I think that's, that's all good. Um, we need that because as I keep saying in the masterminds, we're dealing with such tiny numbers right now that without exponential growth, which comes from momentum, like we're never going to get anywhere near our goals. So I know this all seems crazy, but it's almost like that's what has to happen for our goals to get met. It's like we have to add thousands and thousands of customers on a monthly basis at some point. Or, you know, yeah. I'm looking forward to the month where it's like we added, yeah, we added 25,000 customers this month. Like I, w- I want to get there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. I hate using the rocket metaphor, but yeah. it's like if you're trying to get a rocket up, it's not like you're just slowly like trying to <laughs> slowly get it to fly fast. Going four miles faster. an hour. It's like you try one time <laughs> and then it like nothing happens. And then you try another time mm. and it like goes up a little bit and then falls down. That was yeah. like Summit V2 maybe. Yeah. And then you try again. But I mean, you need you kind of like when you do like a such a big, when it's the change is so, so big. It, it you have to start from scratch every time and you're like okay let's try another launch yeah if we want a different metaphor i think the um i keep coming back to the flywheel and saying you know it's that it takes a lot of strength to get the wheel spinning right and, and now it's almost like we see it we see it, it it's moving <laughs> and we're like okay it's like okay it's 
it's moving. Let's not lose. And Jordan Gall talks yeah. about this a lot. I, 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 I'm sort of channeling that founder vibe. It's like, okay, the wheel has begun to roll. Let's yeah. not, let's not hold back now. Like everybody, everybody push because if we let this thing come to a, let this thing come to a um, standstill again, like you have to start over. Is what it feels like. Yeah, because there's no standstill. Because yeah. it's like the you're pushing a boulder up a hill. It, mm. it doesn't stop. Like it goes the other way back. That's down. that's true. That's true. Right? It's it's there's <laughs> a, it's not going to stop and be like okay. Well, as soon as you come, it's just going to maintain its speed, and then when yeah. you come back, it'll be still rotating at that speed. It's like no, it's it's stopped now, and yeah, you have to start. I think it all I've heard Tony again. Robbins say that something that's not growing is dying. Yeah, I completely agree, and. Also, things that don't grow fast tend to stay small. Yeah. And, you know, that that's generally true with a few exceptions. And I think people love to point to the exceptions of the things that have gotten really big over a long period of time. But I think that's less likely than, you know, if something's just growing a tiny bit. I mean, again, most growth takes place in the early years of something's life or doesn't. Yeah. You know. Rarely do you see something that's like, again, you know, how many like 20 year olds have their growth spurt then? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, MailChimp not. got really big over a long time, but it's not like at the end they were growing at 20K MR, you know? A, a yeah, year. yeah. They were probably growing at million, hundreds of millions per year or whatever. Exactly. And if you zoom in on the beginning of that chart, like it's still, I bet you it's still it's fast. fast. It just doesn't look fast because if you zoom out far enough, everything looks flat. But like, yeah, you know, um, it's again, we can't get there from here. Adding, you know, a handful of customers a week is a thousand X less than I want to be at. Yeah. So you're talking about seeing growth in your growth rate. That's not right. In your constant number or in your number. Yes, exactly. It's like we talk about growth and I feel like we yeah, okay, we give ourselves credit, we grew. But that's almost like saying we ate today. It's like, okay, you yeah. ate, you you, you grew, <laughs> aged. You, you aged, exactly. Like, yeah. you have to do that or you're literally dying. But the yeah. thing that we have to do actually is we have to accelerate, like our growth has to grow. So it'd be yeah. really fun if people shared more acceleration numbers. Yeah, the, the actual numbers is not, they're not very interesting. That's why when I was talking to my investor yesterday is, I just told him like, I, I don't, it's great that we have like whatever, 120 customers, but it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter because <laughs> we need to find something that can just add 120 customers in a month or That's a right. week or yeah, so exactly. we need to grow fast enough that even if we just lose everything we have now, it yeah. doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. It, it, we're, it's more of a contest for me of, okay, I'm trying to pick your, you know, weightlifting or something, which I'm not, I'm not a weightlifter maybe better example would be like rowing. It's like, okay, I'm trying to row a 10K. If I just tell you all the time, like I rode another 50 meters today or 100 meters today, like that's nice. But what I really should be telling you is like, I rode 500 today. I rode 250, you know, a week before. Like I'm getting closer to my goal because, yeah, you know, I'm not just doing more of it. I'm doing yeah. more than I did the last time, right? That's the yeah. challenge, right? I don't know what they're rowing version of this would be but when you're thinking about um f1 for example mm, like they something i've just they, gotten the into. way that they go faster <laughs> the, the way that they go faster is not that they just practice every day it's also that they reinvent themselves on, on like with the car like they're mm. and the car is kind of like their growth rate to an extent it's like that's pretty cool if you can make the car faster yeah like in you know, inherent, the, um, what's the word? Uh, There's a compounding effect or a... Yeah, but if, if the car by itself, the baseline of the car, if the car is just faster, yeah, I don't remember the English word, intrinsically mm, faster, mm -hmm. th and then you add a good driver on top of it. It's like you got to yeah. also pick the right car yes. because that's going to be part of how fast you're going to drive. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're both path this... We're both past the stage of uh we're still testing different cars or we are. We are, but like, hey, hey Peter, I went around the track today once. 
It's like, that's, that's good, man. I'm glad your car's still working. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how are we going to win the, uh, how are we going to win the Grand Prix? Right. That's the question. Yeah. Um, so, well, good to reconnect. If you're man. still driving a, a normal car at the F1. You, you probably, you're not going to make it just by doing rounds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's okay. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> nice minivan you got there. Uh, yeah. Well, Hey, anyways, two in a row, two, two weeks in a row. Um, yeah. Good to chat. I think we, this is one of the episodes with most metaphors as well. Yeah. Well, our Which listeners knew good. what they were getting makes into. Makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs>